minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
עם בת, ויצור חן כמו בבת, ואם שמכם ולא יושבת, שבונחו ביום שבת. דאוריקה לבן עם בת, ויצור חן כמו בבת, ואם שמכם ולא יושבת, שבונחו ביום שבת. תראש נביא, ואולמים, ועוד ישר, עשה עימי, לתפרק בתוך קרמים, ששבת בני ימים, ששבת בני ימים. ויצורכם כמו בבת, ואם שמכם ולא יושבת, שבונחו ביום שבת. דרורקה לבנים בת, ויצורכם כמו בבת, ואם שמכם ולא יושבת, שבונחו ביום שבת.
Wrapping up that half hour for us. Good morning, all. How are you doing? It's a Friday, JM in the AM. Boy, we've had some amazing and incredible programming over the last 24 hours. I can tell you that much. I hope everybody out there has the brand new Nahum Siegel Network app. It seems that it is being installed by the hundreds. 
which is an amazing feeling, and uh, a lot of different countries are installing it, or meaning people in different countries. <laughs> so if you missed uh, Miriam Al-Wallach yesterday with the rabbi of, uh, of Chabad, Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, or if you missed uh, Randy with Hatzala Israel, or you missed Gorf talking about the uh, Trekkies and Star Trek, or you missed Michael Fragan talking about the uh, brand new look of some of the local and uh, and more national elections, and if you missed Charlie Harari with an amazing conversation about foster care, you'll be able to check out all the archives on our brand new app, Nahum Siegel network app which features all the archives of every program we present i am proud to say here we are at jmdm on a friday morning broadcast speaking of the stream naomi nachman at nine o'clock with table for two 10 a.m our amazing friends at kedem make sure that we have an incredible erev shabbos jewish music stream from 10 a.m all the way until candle lighting which is a nice long stretch of time most people tell us that there's no better way to prepare for shabbos than with that stream in the background how do you like that? So that's happening all day. Tomorrow night, it's Saturday Night Seagull with Avrami starting at 10 p.m. Eastern Time on the stream. And, of course, Matis is preparing a great JM Sunday live Sunday morning starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time, even for Memorial Day weekend. And I'm told that Mayor Fertig is readying his vocal cords, getting ready to sub for me Memorial Day morning. As I said to Mayor last year, I remember the Monday of the uh, Torres MS auction, down in Florida, I listened from the uh, airport on the app to the radio show, and I hope to do the same thing this coming Monday morning, Bezrat Hashem. It's Friday on this May 24th, the 15th of Sivan. Good morning, everybody. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Baaloscha with candle lighting time at 7.55 on this Erev Shabbos. 7.55. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Memorial Day is Monday. I hope your weekend will be spectacular. Tune in. Monday morning, Mayor Fertig will be sitting in the JM and the AM chair. Thunderstorms today with a high temperature of 65. More showers tonight, low 50. Looks like a wet Shabbos. Showers and windy weather tomorrow with a high temperature 54 degrees. Yerushalayim is at 82. Tel Aviv at 77. Haifa is at 102 degrees. What is going on there? 102, and I don't even think that's a typo. I think it's real. <laughs> 106 in a lot where they're going up to 110 later today. 64 here in Jersey City with some rain outside as we broadcast on a Friday morning. <clears throat> Malcolm Honeline will join us. That will be the uh, weekly update at 7.40 Eastern Time this morning right here at JM in the AM. 8.15 for Rabbi Yudin on Parshas Baaloscha. Jay Booksbaum, I'm told, is going to check in before 9 o'clock. Uh, Jay, who's dominating the airwaves these days, he's on with Naomi at 9 o'clock also, <laughs> uh, who's dominating the airwaves, is one of the hosts of the amazing uh, Jewish communities of New Jersey united for Hebron this coming Sunday night. So we'll talk about that coming up a little later on. JM in the AM at 24 minutes before 7 o'clock, and this is Yidl. <laughs> Koyakura, no sangohem, Dios mío. 
And what's that possibility? A square peg don't go in a round hole. You can't walk to rock and roll. So go tell everyone who be. There ain't no bishop in a cliche she. There ain't no bishop in a cliche she. There ain't no bishop in a cliche she. You can drive for all eternity. There ain't no bishop in a cliche she. With cliche on, cliche need. Well, them's a different case, you see. So go tell everyone who be. There ain't no
comes from Mayor Solomon. CD entitled me Mizrach. Before that, the Fusion album, uh, Shlomo Simcha with uh, Hu Elokeinu. Yerachmiel had Yom Shekulo. Ben Sion Lera with Imena Nili Mili. Ain't no Bishel in a Klishli Shi. Aaron Holder covering the amazing Moshe Yes selection off of the Yes Legacy. And the Yidl had Malayim before that right here. At JM, the A Memorial Day comes up on Monday. Mayor Fertig will be here. Make sure to join him as we get you through a Memorial Day weekend. I guess uh, do the unofficial kickoff of summer, right? Although you wouldn't know it from the weather, that's for sure. Thunderstorms today with a high 65. Showers tonight, low 50. Showers and windy weather for Shabbos, a high 54 degrees. Candle lighting coming up at 7.55. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Baal Oscha. And uh, 
get set for a wonderful Shabbos and great weekend. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, and around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Golly, it's all in the background. News from Israel next. Neshama program. I'm going to do some Yassela Rosenblatt selections with Norman Laster because... The Yesela Rosenblatt Yardside Concert has been announced for June 2nd. That's right, a week from Sunday, they're going to gather for the uh, Yesela Rosenblatt Yardside Concert. All of details coming up. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next. Boker Tov from J.M. יותר ניצולי שואה יקבלו מהמדינה גמלת סיעוד. לפיד הודיע היום על תמיכה ממשלתית בהצעת החוק הפרטית. כתבתנו רויטל איוב. שר האוצר יאיר לפיד הודיע כי הממשלה תתמוך בהצעת החוק אשר תגדיל את מספר ניצולי השואה שיקבלו גמלת סיעוד. ביום ראשון הקרוב צפויה הצעת החוק הפרטית שהוגשה על ידי יושב ראש ועדת העבודה, הרווחה והבריאות חבר הכנסת חיים כץ לעלות בפני ועדת חברים לענייני חקיקה. עלותה של אותה הצעת חוק מוערכת במיליוני שקלים. המחדל המשטרתי שאפשר את רצח האחיות בנגב על פי החשד בידי אביהן, הרוצח עדיין מסתובב חופשי. המשטרה מנסה לאתרו. ולאחר ההדחה של צמרת הפיקוד בערד, לתחנה שם יש מהיום מפקד חדש. מדווח רמי שני. סגן ניצב דוד שריקי, קצין אגף חקירות ומודיעין במרחב נגב של המשטרה, מונה להחליף את מפקד תחנת ערד, סגן ניצב יוני זייצק, בעקבות ההחלטה להדיח את צמרת פיקוד התחנה, נוכח ממצאי צוות החקירה, שמונה לבדוק מפקד המחוז הדרומי ניצב יורם הלוי התנצל היום בפני אם הבנות ואמר כי אתה יש לתפוס את האב החשוד ברצח ובמקביל לשקם את תחנת ערד. המשטרה חוקרת מה הוביל לנפילתו של פעוט מגובה שתי קומות. הילד בן שלוש צנח בצהריים מהקומה הרביעית ונבלם במרפסת הקומה השנייה בבניין מגורים ברמלה. הוא מאושפז במצב קשה. מסרה הדס שטייל. האלוף יאיר נווה מתכוון להתמודד על תפקיד הרמטכ"ל הבא, לכן הסיר את מועמדותו לתפקיד יושב ראש תעש. טלב רם מעדכן. נווה החליט לוותר על התפקיד לאחר שהוועדה למינויי בכירים בשירות הציבורי לא אישרה את המינוי, כל עוד נווה מוגדר מושאל וצפוי להתמודד על תפקיד הרמטכ"ל הבא עוד פחות משנתיים, בגלל ניגוד אינטרסים. מזג האוויר עדיין חם מהרגיל עד שרבי. מחר שבת צפויה ירידה קלה במידות החום. ולסיום, הארכיון הלאומי בלונדון מפרסם מהו הדבר שייחד בין סטלין לצ'רצ'יל בעת הברית ביניהם ערב הניצחון במלחמת העולם השנייה. רמז, לא רק האויב הגרמני המשותף, אלא גם הרבה אלכוהול. נעמה הרטשיק. יותר משנתיים לפני תום מלחמת העולם השנייה התקיימה במוסקבה פגישה חשאית בין שליט ברית המועצות סטלין לבין ראש ממשלת בריטניה צ'רצ'יל. לפי פרסומים חדשים של הארכיון הלאומי הבריטי, שני המנהיגים מצאו דרך יצירתית לגשר על המחלוקות שלהם, הם השתכרו יחד כמעט עד אובדן חושים. בתיאור של הארכיון נכתב, היה אוכל מכל הסוגים על השולחן, והאווירה הייתה שמחה כמו בחתונה. אלה החדשות שעורך עומר בן רובי, בצוות יסמין דפיצ'וטו ואבי כהן.
Anne 
Oh, uh-huh. 
Thank Norman Lester, another great edition of the Neshama program. You know, someone recommended to us that we play some of the artists uh, that are in the June 2nd uh, Rosenblatt Yardside concert. I mean, they do have an amazing lineup. Cantor Yaakov Motzen, Cantor Benjamin Muller, uh, Cantor Yaakov Starr, Cantor Yaakov Lemmer, Cantor Yaakov Rosenfeld. And um, I said, no, 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 no. If we if we want to celebrate the fact that on June second there is a Yasla Rosenblatt tribute event in honor of his 80th yard site, let's play Yasla himself. Sunday, June second, the first congregation on Sefard of Borough Park, that's the Sefardish Shul, is uh, organizing a historic cantorial concert commemorating the music of Cantor Yasla Rosenblatt, the uh, king of cantors, if you will. The concert coincides with his 80th yard site. So Sunday night, June second at 8:15. Again, Cantor's Muller, Motzen, Stark, Lemmer, Rosenfeld will all be there, accompanied by Maestro Russell Gare and the Park East Synagogue Choir. Cantor Daniel Gildar will be there. Charlie Bernhout will be the MC. Uh, Chazen Rosenblatt will be remembered 
And uh, this will be quite an event. Tickets uh, are online at a unique web address, kingofcanters.org. Kingofcanters.org. I like that. And at the synagogue located at 4502 14th Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. Information, sponsorships, etc. June 2nd for the 80th yard site of the King of Cantors is a 917-701-6118. 917-701-6118. Unbelievable. 80 years later, and they all talking about Rosenblatt. I don't think he ever dreamt that he'd have a website in reference to himself that uh, was the king of org. I like that. <laughs> J.M. and the A.M. at 28 minutes after 7 o'clock with candle lighting at 7.55. Memorial Day coming up Monday. We've got our amazing weekend planned here on the stream at jmtheam.org. Naomi Nachman at 9 o'clock this morning. She'll be doing a uh, a table for two program. Jay Booksbaum is going to be included. I'll talk about wine pairings or barbecue as Memorial Day starts or is going to be on Monday. Also, uh, Naomi Nachman uh, uh, today at 9 a.m. speaks with Marvin Rembo, chairman of the Long Island Barbecue Championship. We'll discuss the competition happening in Westbury on June the 9th. And a big hello to our friends at Gourmet Glot Emporium in Cedarhurst. Gourmet Glot Emporium in Cedarhurst. They continue to be a big part of a Naomi show as well. At 10 o'clock this morning, thanks to our friends at Kedem, there's going to be an amazing uh, Jewish music Erev Shabbos stream going on all the way from 10 a.m. until candle lighting time, only about 10 hours worth. From what we are told, there is no better way to prepare for Shabbos than with our incredible stream. So check it out all day long on the stream at jmnam.org. Avrami hosts Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night at 10. Matis has JM Sunday, Sunday morning at 7 a.m. There's a lot happening. And Mayor Fertig sits in this chair on Memorial Day on Monday morning. Uh, Malcolm Holmline is coming up. We'll do our weekly update. Or by Uden, of course, in the 8 o'clock hour and plenty more. Thunderstorms expected today with a high 65. Showers tonight, low 50. Showers and windy weather for Shabbos with a high only 54 degrees. Pretty hot in Israel. Haifa's up to 102 as they are going through a heat wave. We're at 64 degrees at JM and the AM as we continue with 8 That's when I lift my eyes to the skies Dreaming, dreaming, days gone by And I know you said that all I need is an honest try An honest try But in the dark of night, in the lonely heights You give me the strength to keep up the fight But I can't move on, I can't live life without you Sometimes life's like an ocean Sweet is quiet as blue Sometimes life's like an ocean Sailing with you Sometimes life's like an ocean Raging like a fool Sometimes life's like an ocean When it's drowning in you Surround me, jacob me and bring me down. Rivers have come to surround me, to turn my boat around. Rivers have come to surround me, jacob me and bring me down. Rivers have come to surround.
J.M. in the A.M. Nishmas is a selection from Shlomi Gertner before that Eitan Katz with L'Chad Odi. Eighth day with By My Side. And I'm going to mention this to Malcolm on the air, the uh, amazing Kiddush Hashem. I-, I played By My Side. We, of course, created... Created is the wrong word. We, of course, turned that song into an anthem for uh, Superstorm Sandy, especially since there was so much water involved. Um... Uh, back in uh, November, you may recall. And uh, we dedicated that to the folks in Moore, Oklahoma. And uh, there have been some really beautiful Kiddush Hashems that have been made over the last couple of days since Monday's uh, massive tornado. We'll mention that in a moment during our uh, weekly update. Happy and healthy birthday going out to Leah Schiffman Kaufman, Fairlawn, New Jersey, from her wonderful family again. Happy and healthy birthday to Leah Schiffman Kaufman. Happy birthday from all of us here at JM in the AM. And um, Mayor Fertig will be in this chair Monday on Memorial Day. Our programming all through the weekend on jmtheam.org will, of course, continue as you would expect. Our Rummy host Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night at 10 p.m. Eastern Time on the stream. Matis has JM Sunday live starting at 7 a.m. Sunday morning, make sure to be tuned in. Jay Bookspam is going to join us a little later on. They have a big event on behalf of Chevron Sunday night in Elizabeth, New Jersey. We'll talk about that coming up. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update here on a Friday morning broadcast. Mr. Honline, welcome back to the radio program. Are you there? Huh? I, I apologize. Okay, that's my fault. A, t- a slight technical problem which did not allow Malcolm to hear his glorious introduction, or my glorious introduction of him. So I again will say, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, Mr. Holmline, welcome back to the show. Uh, welcome. Sometimes Pleasure. I just... good to speak to you, even though I don't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I had such profound things that I was saying, I wish you would have heard them. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'll, I'll listen to the podcast. No, I appreciate that. Sometimes you just hit the wrong button, even after 30 years. What can I tell you? I was mentioning... Uh, the, uh, the I was mentioning how I have to mention to you on the air during this conversation some of the Kiddush Hashem that we see from members of our community uh, in regard to the devastating tornado that hit Oklahoma. Just to read you one account, showing its gratitude for the immediate and ongoing support and assistance offered by Jewish groups and individuals from around the country, the Oklahoma House of Representatives gave a standing ovation Thursday to Rabbi Ovadia Goldman, co-director of the Chabad Community Center of Southern Oklahoma, and New York State Assemblyman Phil Goldfeder. Introduced by legislator Paul Wesselhoff, Goldman and Goldfeder were called to the podium and thanked for their collective efforts, which are continuing daily. And, of course, if you see the accounts and see the photos, it's obvious that members of our community from both Oklahoma and other places are participating. I'm sure, Malcolm, you uh, agree that it's quite heartwarming. It is, and, you know, how quickly people jump when, unfortunately, sometimes there's a scandal or Hashem or somebody religious identified with something. And indeed, it's very serious and has to be taken with the greatest gravity. But when something good like this happens, and you see the response uh, of our community, and, and it really does take place on a daily basis, it's something we t- generally take for granted. No question about it. And while we speak about life in these United States, I'd love to get your take on this. Now, with the results uh, in Los Angeles, the three largest cities of the United States are led all by Jewish mayors. What's your take on that? 
you know, it rotates. I don't think it's because they were Jewish, but the fact that they are Jewish is not a, uh, does not exclude them. And it's interesting that you know, even in places where you don't have large Jewish populations, like the like New York, Chicago, and L.A., um, that that Jews can be elected in Kansas and other uh, right. parts of the United States. Uh, also, the report that he is the first Jewish mayor uh, in L.A. is not true. It's probably the third Jewish mayor that were uh, people. Uh, Jews who, who were elected in past years, long ago. I wonder why the media would get that wrong. Because it was long ago. There's nobody in recent memory, probably, who, who was Jewish. Uh, well, it's uh, a, a pretty amazing accomplishment, and you know where I'm heading with this, Malcolm. You know that there are young people uh, who tune into this uh, spot every single week, some of whom are required by their teachers and principals to do so. Uh, why not a word to them about what they, as members of the United States of America's community, even as a noticeably Jewish people, can accomplish? Well, there's no limit to what people can do in the United States if they set their mind to it and if they have the qualities and they you know, really uh, make the effort <clears throat> but that takes involvement, and it takes years of of uh, experience or um, being uh, or accomplishments in other areas that are applicable. As in the case of Bloomberg, who did not have a political career, right. but certainly uh, had a very successful one. Um, uh, and but we shouldn't take it for granted. And only by being involved, and only by having people in every position, both behind the scenes and in front of the scenes. And sometimes people shy away from having uh, people who are identifiably Jewish being in key positions. But the fact is that that it, we are allowed the opportunity, we're afforded the opportunity. We see increasing efforts at delegitimization in the United States. We see efforts at demonization. We see uh, many disturbing things, including you know the arrest yesterday, the, the shooting in Florida, where we find out then that uh, the guy involved as well as the um, brothers in, in Boston may have been involved in killing three young Jews, which right. got very little attention. So we need people in positions who can articulate the case, defend it, and, and um, be in the front forefront, whether it's as lay people and, or, you know, I met with community leaders here in my own neighborhood, and, and they're recognizing when you have as, as uh, perhaps as narrow an issue, or really not so narrow, as redistricting, mm-hmm. and you have no voice, mm-hmm end up losing political power. Yeah, if it's done right, the uh, meaning if people's involvement is done right, it can really be something very effective in a very positive manner. And one last thing before we move on to the news of the week, the, as you've always emphasized, there there almost always is some type of real mentorship when someone makes it in an area like you've described. And uh, and therefore, because you'll, you're right, you'll, you'll, you'll speak to people that you deal with on a regular basis, uh, lay leaders and uh, those in professional positions for the community, and they'll tell you about teachers and and uh, other educational leaders and parents, etc., that had amazing influence on them. So uh, don't take that role lightly when it looks like you have an opportunity to mentor a young person. Absolutely, I do it. I, I find it a privilege to be able to do that. And whether they come to the office, and I try to meet with the groups from schools who come to my office, and we spend time together, it inspires you when you see that there's a young generation that cares, is interested. Many of them, in fact, quite knowledgeable. Yeah, no question. Well, they listen to the show. Wow. <laughs> Again, we talk about requirements. I would guess that that's uh, across the board. All right, uh, this London attack. Uh, there's there's so many different angles to discuss regarding this. Obviously, the uh, the nature of it and the whole the whole episode was so 
uh, bizarre and so uh, uh, devastating. Uh, but aside from that, it gives us an opportunity, especially when we listen to the British leaders discuss the aftermath of this attack, it gives an opportunity to view the cultural clash, if you will, I think I'm putting that kindly, in countries like the UK, and maybe you'd even agree in our own as well. Give us your analysis of what happened in London this week. Well, first of all, it's so horrific, and we, of course, express condolences to the families and to the uh, relatives of the young man who was um, butchered, literally butchered, and... I, I, I find so disturbing, though, the comments made by Cameron, the Prime Minister, afterwards, and, and the same reaction that we saw after Boston in some circles, where there's a refusal to, to identify, a refusal to, to confront the reality of, uh, of what happened, to call it what it is. We discussed this after Boston, and I said that you got to name it and you got to call it for what it is, because otherwise we distort, misrepresent. It was terrorism. It was clearly terrorism. And you find out that, that they were involved in a, they attended a mosque where you have uh, a, a, an imam who preaches hatred and, and, and bigotry and uh, incitement, and not to identify it, and not to hold people to account, and not to save it to the community. You're responsible, too, to help root out these elements. It doesn't mean you hold them all uh, uh, accountable for what the acts of individuals, right. but that there has to be some standard and a willingness to call things for what they are. I mean, the fact that these, that what upsets me about the case of the Boston guys, these three Jews and young men in Boston, is that we didn't know about it. Mm-hmm. And that people didn't try to look at it and identify it and, and, and associate what, what it, with somebody, some action, something happened. And, you know, if we had prevented that, maybe we wouldn't have had the other killings. In, at the marathon, the same thing. Remember in Toulouse, they killed these soldiers. Nobody, they didn't react in the way they should have, and that led to the murder of these four little kids and the and the adult at the school. And it's sort of like investigators in a murder case not looking for a motive, and, and not looking at the clues, right. and not being willing to say we have these clues and let's see where they lead to. And 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 also, you have to name it. People think it's insignificant. It's not insignificant. If you keep saying, you know, that these were despondent young men, these were alienated young men, they are, but they, there's a reason why they chose to drive down the street and hack a guy to death. It's amazing when you think of someone making a choice like that, I'll tell you. Uh, it, it, this led here uh, to some of us an, uh, analyzing the population statistics in countries like the U.K., France, and even the United States and the UK of all three of those countries I just mentioned by far has the largest Muslim percentage of population. Had that happened, by the way, especially when we, when, when so many of us in our community think of, of France as being, uh, as, as always think of the Muslim population in France growing like crazy, but it seems that percentage wise, the UK is double of what France is. Yeah, well, they're not necessarily Arabs, uh, as in France, where you had a lot who came from Morocco, Algeria. Uh, as well as from African countries, uh, Francophone countries, uh, and had easy access to France. Britain, they came from Pakistan and other countries that were associated with uh, uh, with Great Britain. Mm. They were part of the British Empire at one time. Right. And uh, so that population grew over a much longer period. Uh, and you also had uh, wealthy Arabs who, who bought homes, and you had um, you know, the Muslim population grew. Uh, very fast, and and um, you know now, for instance, you have a large number of young men from France who have gone to fight in Syria. 
a large number from Britain and Ireland who have gone there. Hmm. What happens when these hundreds of guys come back? They didn't go as jihadists. They went motivated to fight, you know, the either Sunni Shiite battle or, you know, fight for the cause. And they're going to come back as jihadists because they're being trained, they're being integrated into the, you know, these forces, the militias, the al-Nusra, the other groups. Got to think ahead. So what is Britain doing to to deal with it? The Russians actually this week acknowledge that they have more than 200 Russians there, and they're worried. And you can be sure Russia is not going to let them come back and, uh, so easily. And so does, what type of policy does Britain have then? Or there is no policy at no the policy. moment. policy. You know, uh, one of the Muslim leaders told me years ago, he said, we don't need nuclear weapons. Our nuclear bomb is, is demographics, is immigration. And that's what they're creating new realities. A million come to Spain and, and uh, millions all over Europe. And, and that's why for many years we've said the demographic realities will make it impossible to have a future for, for our communities, for others in, in some of the European countries. Yeah. And we see that reality being enacted. Young people, not just you, leaving those countries, which only aggravates the demographic imbalances. It's funny because when we saw... Oh, yeah, I know. It's not, you know what I mean. It's funny because when we saw the numbers, I guess because of the media attention, especially in our community, to this type of development in Europe and the U.S., I, I thought the numbers would be even higher. Like I was surprised to see the percentage of the United States population that identifies as Muslim. It's it's two and a half million. It's point five percent now. For those who live near Coney Island Avenue, you know they may think uh, you know that uh, that it's much larger than that. But uh, but we again when it comes I don't I don't know I don't know how to you know, identify it as per capita or whatever but percentage wise we're nowhere close to the European countries. Well, first of all, it's true, and second of all, the Muslims who came to America aren't necessarily uh, a majority are not Arab, right. and a majority of uh, the Arabs were Christians who came from uh, Lebanon, other Ramallah, other places. But and again, it's not condemn a community. We're not talking about everybody right. because they're Muslims and, and uh, react to it. If you look at what the pro-Israel numbers are, the sympathetic numbers in Europe today, there isn't a country where you have a majority that's pro-Israel. The only country, in fact, is the United States. And so, it, and, and frankly, in some of the Muslim countries, and I was this week in some countries, uh, uh, there's a rethinking, that, at least on the leadership, it's not amongst the populace. Uh, but rethinking of attitudes and, and where they've headed and what they've done. What I'm saying is that there has to be a sense of responsibility, and you have leading Muslims who speak out against this, the, 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 the extremism in their own communities because they're the first victims of it. Right. They're the ones who pay the price initially, and then the rest of us. So you'll never see uh, more than 50% in a poll in Europe being pro-Israel, but, uh, but like our Congress here, and we saw a good example again this week with the you know, regarding Israel and Iran, like our Congress here, are there parliaments in Europe where you would find the majority in taking Israel's side? Where you have significant numbers who would, in Great Britain, for instance, you have very courageous individual leaders in the European Parliament. There's a, you know, Europe-Israel Friendship Association. You have them in most of the countries. You have, the, in Britain, the Labour Friends of Israel, Conservative Friends of Israel. You've had leaders who, who, who've been pro-Israel and some who've been outspoken. Uh, some like Sarkozy, who at times were very friendly, but before elections, because he looks at the Muslim population, right. which is ten times the size of the Jewish population, mm-hmm. and says, you know, we gotta, gotta take the political realities into account. Um, and 
in many of the countries, in, in virtually all the countries, the Jewish communities are shrinking, and and the you know the demographic imbalance. And when you look at the age imbalances, where the Jewish communities, like the general European communities, are much older, right. and the Muslim immigrant populations are seventy percent under twenty five. So the body of government, and don't say Canada, the body of government that most closely, even if it's far away, that most closely resembles the support that Congress of the United States gives gives Israel would be. The Marshall Islands. <laughs> oh, wow. Can't do any better than that, huh? Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, well. America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Um, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web. JMNAM.org. We're just checking if anybody from the Marshall Islands has uh, installed our latest app. Uh, we, we had 10 installations from China, which we don't understand. <laughs> Could be- I will tell you that there is a change in Africa. There are changes. There are um, governments that are looking anew at the Middle East and that they've seen. I.E. Arab countries see that after the last two years, that it's not the Palestinian-Israeli issue. That's the core. I.E. Give me a country. Which African country? Rwanda. Mm-hmm. And that's significant? In the, in the globe. It's not just one. I'm telling you, it's a general climate. It's not that, you know, it's a revolutionary flip right. uh, from one day to the next. But, you know, Azerbaijan, look at this, a Muslim country, the foreign minister visits Israel, it's a neighbor of Iran, and it prof- professes uh, very pro-Israel. Georgia had a government that was extremely pro-Israel. I mean, the, the prime minister gave us a speech that was more Zionistic than any Israeli leader I've heard give a speech. So again, you're saying it's not as bad as we think. There's a lot of positives. There are positives, and that's why you have to be involved, why you have to work it. And when people ask, why do you go to some of these countries? It's because it's critical for our future, for Israel, for all the things that we care about. And you have to show these countries that want to be pro-Western. The problem is that the West turns their, a blind eye to them and often disses them. We had a case recently where one of the countries that is pro-Western, pro-American, and in the United Nations, we were part of an effort that would have that angered them, that, that alienated them for, for really no reason uh, ultimately, hmm. uh, I'm being serious now. Have you met with leaders from Rwanda? Of course. So more than once. More than once, of course. Now you know you mentioned Cameron and what sounds like a, a little bit of a cop out. His reaction to to the attack in London. Uh, our own president, and and I was so glad to see that there were some media uh, outlets that condemned him for this. Our own president is not willing to identify terror attacks as terror attacks. I'm, I'm not talking about Benghazi and the whole scandal now. I'm simply saying that when the president gets up this week and says there's been no major attack on the U.S. since 9-11, that's a really sketchy statement. Well, major attack as opposed to many, many small attacks and many attempted attacks. I, I think if you ask Ray Kelly or the FBI or others that uh, we deal with, I mean, we've had, unfortunately, many serious uh, uh, efforts. I know, but just because of the enormity of 9-11, you can't make... That's Fort- not the standard, right. Right, you and, can't make Fort Hood a small and, attack. And, you know, I, I uh, interviewed and, and met with people who, who monitor these situations. Boaz Ganor this week had just talked about how many Hezbollah sleeper cells there are in the United States, something that uh, I verified with others. And, uh, you know, it's something that I'm sure law enforcement monitors, but the question is the degree of seriousness. And I don't think the president... He certainly in Boston after didn't initially want to call an act of terror, but right. did uh, then. Uh, and I understand why there's a, a they don't want to have a rush to judgment because you know if you if you make it too common the, the use of the term that terror terrorism uh, should be a unique category. But when you see it, you got to know it, and then you have to say it. 
and the, and it does make a difference. Words yeah, count. And, and, but I'm telling you, I, I don't know what it is. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what's in the water. But it's and I don't think Republicans would have handled it any differently. By the way, I, I uh, world leaders just refuse to tell like it is at this point. That's where we've gotten to at this point. Well, in part, I think Cameron, for instance, was afraid of the backlash. You know, and having people go out into the streets and start beating up uh, immigrants, mo- who, who, whether they know if they're Muslim or not, right. is often uh, it's hard to tell. But they they would go after the public. So you want to keep public order. You don't want to incite populations against each other. But on the other hand, you have to enlist them, and there should be common efforts to root out the extremists because they will, as I said, pay the price. But everybody will pay the price. Ultimately, right. President of the United States uh, justified the drone attacks, some of which uh, uh, killed United States citizens, as we know. Um, so, it is it, when you're Malcolm, in your opinion, when you're out there to get the bad guys, does it in fact matter if they're citizens of the U.S. or not? If a bad guy, if there's somebody who uh, is uh, threatening the interest of the United States and the safety of American citizens doesn't have to be abroad if they're here at home right and a guy do we make a differentiation if somebody carrying out an attack here or or threatening or killing people whether they're and have a, an american passport or not or they're american citizens the answer is that you have to, to to do what you have to do in a responsible way and a reasonable way to and, and careful like israel has done in gaza or even the u.n had to acknowledge it not to to fall into the trap but on the other hand you know, if somebody is sitting in a group of uh, al-Nusra or al-Qaeda and, and gets killed because they're there, you know, they made a choice. Right, uh, 100%. So you, so you would say that those who are criticizing President Obama for the quote-unquote drone attack policy are are being unfair to him? I think that the president's policy to use drones in selective ways, or and, and uh, frankly, I think this is a new way to carry warfare that saves civilian lives because you don't have to bomb you don't have to you can a drone can target an individual it can target a particular site as we saw in gaza and elsewhere uh and by that actually save civilian lives right it seems every week i'm asking you about john Kerry and the secretary of state's trips to the middle east i mean <laughs> yet another one this week right met with uh, both sides this week. Not, yes he's, he's meeting with both sides and Today he made a strange comment about the, that Israel's prosperity takes away the sense of urgency, which I have no clue yet what that means. But the uh, uh, but he is still making the rounds and looking for for some opportunities. And I think it's likely that he will put forward his own proposals in the coming weeks. How, oh, and in the very near future, you say? And um, are we so, so? This week does not move us any closer to peace. This is he's just laying the groundwork for whatever his proposal is going to be. Right, and Bibi said, you know, he wants talks. Israel's ready for them, but you know, you have to have a partner. And we see the new conditions and new new efforts in that uh, Abbas. They continue the incitement. They continue to make horrendous statements. They, they talk about the temples not existing. You know, they're complaining about what we're doing on the temple site, but the temples never existed. <laughs> Uh, and we see this incitement on the part of the, of the Palestinian leadership continuing while their corruption, their, you know, horrific behavior is continuing. And, and uh, you saw this week how Egypt turned to, the, to Israel to coordinate the, their efforts in the Sinai where Egyptian security troops, eight of them, were, were kidnapped and uh, released yesterday. But the, they moved in troops and artillery and warplanes uh, to hit these uh, uh, and hit some of the bases. Um, to get the release of these guys, but they've lost control uh, of the Sinai, and ultimately they have to turn to Israel to um, 
to to coordinate with them and to assure that uh, what is done they they understand. But the backlash to it and the tolerance for so long, you see in Egypt, 82% of the people now want the military to come back to the political scene. And you have this group, the black bloc, which are, who walk around in black masks and clothes, who are openly, open at war with the Muslim Brotherhood there. So people who think, you know, always that, that the, and targeting Israel and Israel's responsibility, you see quite the opposite, that they see that Israel is the source of stability. And no better example about all the distortions than the Mohammed al-Dura report, which came out this week from the government. It took 12 years or more to get it out, but it clearly shows that the film that French TV had, which they didn't show, they edited it, that at the end you see Mohammed al-Dura waving and alive. Wow. That's unbelievable. And and all the people who died because of it, all the schools that were named in honor, all of the terrorist attacks, including when Daniel Pearl was killed, they cited Mohammed al-Dura, Mohammed al-Dura, the whole Arab world, the whole world, in fact, got, you know, saw the picture of that kid crouching behind his father. And when German TV did a study of it and said there was no way the Israelis could, could have done it, the world ignored it. And it will only. And they went to French. Uh, French TV refused to release the rest of the footage. It was done by a, a local stringer, which is increasingly how news is, is today being handled. Right. And the the um, and only the French courts forced them uh, to release it. Well, we saw this week with UNESCO, um, the Palestinians uh, finally got uh, you know demanded that they go in to look at the Mugrabi Gate next to the Kotel and what's going on there and. And they right away politicized it. So Israel said, if there's a political mission that they're, as they said, uh, that they're probing the occupation, then they said, no way, we're not going to do it. And then the World Health Organization, with tens of thousands of people dying in Syria, and all the murders and all the Christians being massacred, what are they doing? They want to check the health conditions in the Golan Heights. <laughs> I mean, if it weren't so ludicrous, right. I mean, you think it's funny. But it's serious because it has implications. Unbelievable. Has the uh, Perry draft plan in uh, Israel brought us any closer to a resolution of the army draft conflict? I don't think that uh, as yet we're close to a, a resolution. And, and what's the August 1st deadline? That's that's when, what, a new law has to be enacted by then? or that's Yeah, I think that there is some legislative... Uh, framework that they have to meet. By. So it's got to be done by the middle of the summer, a couple of months left, and it looks like nobody's budging on anything. There is some movement. There are a lot of discussions going on, but it, certainly we're not near a resolution yet. It, I hope that cool minds will come together and find a way. You know, Everybody needs a solution to this. Israel needs a solution. Yeah, that's to for Israel. sure. The economy needs, means that there have to be cuts. There has to be you know sacrifices made by everybody. It should be done in a reasonable way. And, you know, given what Israel faces, look at the, the, the tremendous defense burden. And they're cutting the defense budget by billions of shekels at a time when, and I'm sure we'll talk about Syria in mm-hmm. a minute, but, but when we look at Iran and the reports from the IEA that came out, the International Atomic Energy, that they now have 13,000 centrifuges working, that they've added 700 of the high-tech ones that we've talked about, which are five times faster than the others. When uh, we're talking about the weaponization uh, program and that they are, you know, looking at satellite launchers and they're talking about uh, expanding the, um, the facility at Natanz, which w- and that their goal is not one or two bombs, as people have said, but now they're saying 20 to 30 and maybe 100 within uh, a few years. And the, the expansion of, of this program, which gets very little attention these days, the talks all have led to nothing. 
uh, and the, the continued support, their direct involvement in Syria, the helping of Hezbollah continue to providing weapons, the, the, and the election story there, which also gets very little attention here, that, that the Veliati, who is one of the candidates, and, and Mohsen uh, Reza are two of the guys who were wanted in the Argentinian case, you know, for the bombing of Amiya and the Israeli embassy. Right. These are two of the guys named in the warrants. And now Argentina is talking about, you know, reopening negotiations, all this, because it's an effort to cleanse them. And the, the foreign, the uh, Khamenei, uh, the two favorites are Veliati and I think Jalili, who was the guy who negotiated, and one of his main qualifications is that he has limited intelligence uh, <laughs> and, and is a slavishly addicted to, to Khamenei's ideology, and etc., you know, this is not a free election. It, they had 100, 600 plus candidates. They choose eight. They knocked out even Rasmanjani, a former president, from mm-hmm. uh, from running. There's no moderates in this uh, uh, in this scene, and any of the candidates. You know, we hear people say, "Oh, they're uh, the Ahmadinejad." All of a sudden, is the moderate win? Yeah, don't worry. The American media will find the moderate for you. Don't worry. Yeah, the Ahmadinejad. Exactly. <laughs> and Rasmanjani, and I th- frankly, I'm glad he's off it because. This guy, who was the father of the nuclear program, fostered it while he was president. He was involved in, in a lot of the terrorism activities. And now, all of a sudden, they're painting him up, that, you know, that he was some sort of a, a more moderate force or something. And they would have said, no, we've got to renew the talks. We've got to give him more chance. We gotta... When, in fact, he's no different. Syria, we see this week, uh, firing at IDF positions in the Golan. The Israeli missile defense system is now essentially... On every hot border of Israel, well, they move them around. Uh, the, the Iron Dome, you mean? Yeah, Iron David Dome. Sling is not, uh, you know, operational yet, but right. close to it. Uh, but yes, the Iron Dome. They moved several batteries. They also have the Patriot missiles uh, still in Israel, uh, but they moved uh, several up to the to protect Haifa and to the north uh, in response to the to growing situation. And we see, you know, there was a shootout. I mean, was there a reaction from Israel? When when Syria fires on their positions in the Golan, yes. Well, not each time when they shot into the when Israel assesses that this was just wayward fire, you know, between when they're fighting each other and some shells, you know, went awry. But in the when Syria took credit for the uh, shooting against that hit an Israeli jeep, nobody was hurt. Thank God. The Israelis eliminated the post from which the fire came. Hmm. And the the um, you know we sing a, a changing situation in uh, which raises concerns about the Golan uh, because the the rebels are being driven back from like the suburbs of of uh, Damascus and I've said for all the years since it started that until you see Damascus fall Assad can stay and he said I will live and die in 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 Damascus um, and he is strengthening the positions they've driven back the rebels from some of the suburbs and in a critical Syria. Syria Kusra, where which is access towards the coast, where they trying to they're doing ethnic cleansing to create perhaps a safe zone for for Alawites. But we even see some Alawites who are now turning against Assad. But we have to certainly say that the Assad forces this week um, were were uh, strengthened. The supply lines are, are much stronger. The fact that the Russian sale is going ahead has given them a big psychological boost of of these missiles and especially the S three hundred. You know, it may be a time till it's actually turned on, but the, it is a game changer once it's there because it limits Israel's uh, maneuverability over Lebanon and Syria, uh, and also monitoring um, the developments uh, by by air. Um, but the 
the rebels' uh, position, and you have so much infighting amongst them, and there's no real line of command, especially between the militias and the leaders who are abroad. Do you remember we talked about months ago? Um, and the the uh, you know the, then we hear everybody saying, well, Assad controlled uh, the border and everything. But the fact with Israel, but the fact is, he used Hezbollah during that time. They attacked through through uh, Syria. He tried to develop a nuclear program. Thank God, Israel hit the. Uh, the North Korean Iranian facility that was being built in uh, in uh, Syria. Syria. So the internal situation is 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 the escalating. The violence is escalating. There are horrific things going on. There are probably a hundred thousand dead there. Iran is much more involved because well, our troops, thousands of them are there, and uh, ultimately we may see then the clashes. We see the Sunni Shiite, the the different groups fighting each other. Uh, but the broader implications for the region are, are very serious. And another week, and Assad is still in power, and it looks like we'll be saying that every week. <laughs> and we could be saying it for quite a while, and, and it leverages his position. He, the Syria, in principle, agreed to go to this peace conference, but you saw that when Lavrov and Kerry agreed to it, but it's already weeks, and and and, uh, and nothing is uh, nothing's happened. We see it spreading into Lebanon. We see Jordan, you know, increasingly destabilized. Um, the growth of Al Nusra now. 6,000 people. This is Al-Qaeda in Iraq's group that is uh, there, and it's very feared, uh, and some uh, of the pre Syrian army are defecting to them, and now they found out that they're Al-Qaeda, so they, they don't like it, but the difference is that Al-Nusra pays the, their people, <laughs> the soldiers, and the free and Syrian army doesn't pay their people, and doesn't have, a, they say, enough weapons, uh, but Syria is afloat in weapons, and we may be well creating another Libyan-like uh, uh, situation. Wow. Um, details of uh, former Prime Minister Olmert's peace offer to the PA have been exposed. The Jerusalem Post just posted this. And the only thing I'll mention uh, for this, uh, for the purpose of today's conversation is that the, the, the uh, Prime Minister at that time, Ehud Olmert, according to this interview at least, did agree to forego sovereignty of the Temple Mount in Jerusalem as part of that 08 deal. That does not surprise you, I guess, right? Well, uh, because I publicly challenged him, and he makes reference to it, that uh, in my differences with him, especially over Yerushalayim and, and about Harabayat, and I think he wanted to turn it over to some international control at the time, uh, and that is a prescription for failure. We know what will happen. You can't create international. You can have the protection of the rights of all religious groups in Yerushalayim. There are ways to take, but if you don't have it unified under Israeli uh, sovereignty. If you don't have the safeguards there, our access will be will be eliminated. It's limited as it is, maybe too much, and mm-hmm. the, uh, we don't want provocations. But you see the constant effort now to raise the issue of Yerushalayim, the denial of the Jewish claim, even this past week again, and the this reinforces it to say that somehow giving up the sovereignty and the claim to it. And then there was, the, you know, the idea that the top of the Harabayat of the Temple Mount will be given, sovereignty will be given to the uh, Arabs, and that the bottom right. will be ours. <laughs> and frankly, you know, they say, well, we get the Kotel, they get Harabayat. The answer is, I'd rather have Harabayat. Let them have the uh, Kotel. Uh. That's the quote of the day, that's for sure. By the way, finally, you know, Dudu Fisher was here this week as... Uh, very close within the Netanyahu family for many, many years, claims that B.B.'s son, his teenage son, openly proclaims how he does not like the two-state solution and how his father's approaching the peace process. Have you ever heard that before? 
that he has dissension in his own family in terms of the way he negotiates? <laughs> well, his kids are pretty independent, but you know that one of his sons was a, a winner in the Chidon Tanakh. Correct. They have a mind of their own, huh? Contest. And, uh, and his father, Bibi's father, was str- uh, strongly critical of, of Bibi uh, over these issues. His father, who's written, uh, was a great scholar and who died at a very advanced age a couple years ago, um, differed with his son. So right. it's, it's a healthy debate. Thanks for sure. Uh, it, may, it may be interesting at holiday time, but it's fine. Uh, thank you very much. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak again next week. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Baalosha. Candlelighting time coming up at 7.55. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. It's Memorial Day weekend. Mayor Fertig will be here on Monday. Matis does JM Sunday at 7 o'clock in the morning on our stream at jmtheam.org. Avrami hosts Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night at 10 o'clock on our stream. And coming up today, of course, Naomi Nachman, 40 minutes from now on our stream with Table for Two, with a special shout-out to our friends at Gourmet Glot Emporium in Cedarhurst. And um, coming up between 10 a.m., all the way until candlelighting time, an amazing Jewish music stream. The best way to get ready for Shabbos with our Erev Shabbos stream from 10 a.m. Eastern Time all the way until candle lighting time. This time each every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Ba'aloscha. According to the Chinuch, there are five mitzvos in this parsha, four related to Pesach Sheni and the laws of Pesach. And the fifth one, the mitzvah of the Chatzotzros, the special horns that were blown in the Beis Hamikdash daily and on the various Yom Tovim different occasions. The Parsha of Baha'u'llah, if we just take one step back, is an incredibly challenging Parsha. It contains, on the one hand, so much potential. Moshe inviting his father-in-law uh, Yisro to join them uh, as they're about to enter Eretz Yisrael and you can feel the excitement in the air in chapter 10 Pasuk 29 says Moshe to his father-in-law two words Nosim Anachnu we are journeying we're moving we're going However, unfortunately, we find in this parsha the two psukim of Aibin Soa and Uvenucho Yomar, which are bounded by the inverted nuns, as the Gemara in Shabbos tells us at the end of, uh, towards the end of the Gemara Shabbos, that this is Lahafsik to create a pause between. Puranios and Puranos, between bad and bad, not to create a state of being, of negativity. And the idea behind this is that unfortunately, what could have been the immediate entrance into Eretz Yisrael by virtue of their complaining and their 
lack of readiness and full trust in Hashem, Jewish history takes on a different course and unfortunately culminating next week with the sin of the Maraglim. So the downhill escalation begins after the inverted nuns in Parshas uh, Loscha. I'd like to focus this morning, however, on the end of the parsha, in chapter 12, whereby Miriam and Aaron speak Lashon Hora about Moshe. When you have earlier in the parsha Moshe complaining that he can't handle the people anymore and Hashem tells him to um, assemble what becomes the first Sanhedrin, 70 elders, and Moshe Al-Gabehen, Moshe the head of them. And when Zipporah hears that now there'll be 70 other men who will be receiving prophecy, so Zipporah lets a secret out of the bag and says instinctively she feels sorry for their wives because I their husbands will separate from them as Moshe did from her. To which Miriam and Aaron respond saying, wait a minute. Does God speak only to Moshe? Come on, we're also prophets. And we do not separate from our spouse who is Moshe? And why is Moshe? So clearly, they spoke badly about Moshe. And there is, as we know from the fifth book, Zechiras Miriam. One of the six remembrances in the Torah is to remember, as the Chafetz Chaim says, specifically the prohibition of Lashon Hora, or as others, including Rav Salavechik, Zechron Vracha, says that this is to teach us the significance of Moshe Rabbeinu, as he is the Adon Hanavim. In any event, the Torah tells us the response of Moshe, whereby Moshe does not respond. Yerish Moshe, why? Anav Ma'od, Moshe is exceedingly modest, exceedingly humble, Mikolo Adam, Asher literally more than any other person on the face of the earth. Clearly, Rashi says that he was an Anav, Shofal, and Savlan, he was humble, and he was therefore able to tolerate that which was said about him, and it didn't bother him. I'd like to, however, present a little bit of a deeper understanding as to what this term means that Moshe Rabbeinu was anav ma'od that he was exceedingly modest exceedingly humble now let's begin with the obvious question does not Moshe know that he is the only person as the Torah says a few psukim later that he's the only one that God speaks to literally, directly. Moshe doesn't know that 611 mitzvos were given to the Jewish people via Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe doesn't know he was the only one who was 
literally invited up to Har Sinai and 40 days he does not eat and does not drink. Of course Moshe knows. So how can Moshe retain this ability to be the most humble man knowing that he accomplished what no other human being accomplished. And I'd like to suggest that to begin with think about this. The more you know, the more you know that you don't know. What does that mean? It means that Moshe had such a deep understanding of God that he more than anybody else knew how much more there was to know and therefore there was no room for arrogance and therefore he was the most humble man and possibly let's say it a little bit stronger and that is based upon the Navi Yirmiyahu from chapter 9 of Yirmiyahu, whereby Koamar Hashem, the Navi says, Al Yisaleil Chacham Bechachmaso. Let not the wise man glory himself with his wisdom. Vi Al Yisaleil Hagibor Bigvuraso. And let not the strong man glorify himself with his strength. Al Yisaleil Oshir Beoshro. And let not the rich man glorify himself with his wealth. Because basically, what's happening here? The wise man realizes that if I have this wisdom, you know why I have it? Listen to the next pasuk. Only with this may one glorify himself. Haskel, literally, to contemplate the Yodoa Osi, and know me. Meaning, says the Navi, realize that your wisdom is a gift from God. And therefore, there's no room for arrogance. Your wealth is a gift from God. Your strength is a gift from God. And therefore, when one appreciates that which HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given them, then all the more, this not only is there no room for arrogance, but one realizes, wow, how privileged they are that God chose them to do. And after all, what is he doing? He's doing what he is supposed to do. But the idea is that to be an unav means for one to have an honest assessment of oneself and one's situation. To be an unav means that one should measure himself by what he can be. He should measure himself by what Hashem has given him and what Hashem expects of him, and not by comparing oneself to others. And therefore, let's remind ourselves of that very powerful story that Rav Shwadron, the Magid of Yerushalayim, told regarding the Nitziv, Rav Naftali Tzvi, Yehuda Berlin, who was such a prolific author and Tamachacham, when he published the Hamek Shela, he gathered a group and made a party and said, I have to tell you 
that how significant this is, and if not for tears, none of this would have happened. And he went on to explain that as a child, he was somewhat of a playful child, and though his father would encourage him to study, he would rather play, until he heard his father crying to his mother one night saying, Oi, what's going to be with Naftali Hirsch? Perhaps he should become an apprentice to a tailor. And so the boy came in crying and he said to his parents, Give me one more chance. And sure enough, he took to his learning and he became the great Torah scholar that he was. And he said to the assemblage, Could you imagine... Had I become a tailor, I would have been an honest tailor. I would have been koveya itim la Torah. I hopefully would have designated some time in the evening for Torah study. But upstairs, after 120 years, they would have asked me in heaven, where is the Hamek Shela? And I'd look at them and say, what are you talking about? And what do you want from me? The idea being that each person is judged on their capabilities. Each person is judged on what they can accomplish. And a person has to have an honest assessment of himself. This is Moshe Rabbeinu. And this is what Moshe has to teach us. And I believe this is why the Torah includes this in the Torah. And the truth of the matter is, think about it, that Miriam didn't see the big picture. She couldn't know this. And that's why a person has to be careful when they speak Lashon Hara. But Moshe did. And what do I mean by the bigger picture? Because Moshe on his own, the Gemara in Shabbos, Pezayin 87a, teaches us that three things Moshe did on his own. He added a third day in preparation for the Yom Tov of Shavuos. He broke the Luchos and he separated himself from his wife Zipporah. In all of these three situations, God said and agreed with Moshe. He waited another day before he gave the Torah. He said, Good what you did by breaking the Luchos. And is understood by our rabbis that God told him and confirmed when he said after the Jewish people, Go tell them that they should go back to their families. But you, Moshe, you stay with me. Moshe had this honest assessment and saw the bigger picture. Note, my friends, the famous Gemara in Shabbos, where the perspective convert comes to Hillel and says, convert me when I stand on one foot. So before coming to Hillel, he went to Shammai, and Shammai said, get out of here. And Hillel does convert him. And what happens, the Talmud tells us that the Kaptonuso Shel Shammai, this is Shabbos Lamed Aleph, literally the sternness of Shammai sought to banish this person, and Hillel's Anvasonuso, not simply his humility, his seeing, his honest assessment, his understanding that there was potential for this convert, and therefore he saw the bigger picture. So too, the Gemara tells us in Anizakin, in Gitin, Daf Nun Vav Amaralev, 
in the story of Bar Kamsa. And the rabbis said, we should kill Bar Kamsa, because he's a rodeif. And, unfortunately, Zechariah ben Avkolos, regarding whom Rabbi Yochanan says, Anvosonuso, once again, he's not seeing the big picture, and therefore prevented them from killing Bar Kamsa. This is what ultimately caused Hechriva Espeisenu, destroyed our holy temple. The idea behind it is to learn from Moshe Rabbeinu to be an anav, to see the bigger picture. And what does that mean to see the bigger picture? So many people say, I just don't have time to learn. Yes, you don't have time to learn, but look how much time you waste. And I don't have sufficient money to give the tzedakah that I want. But look, unfortunately, how too many people are mevazbeis and waste their money on other things. And so, one should realize that the end of Parshas Baaloscha speaks to each and every one of us. And Moshe, in the capacity of Moshe Rabbeinu, teaches us that very important lesson, that just because of his greatness, there was no room for arrogance. Because of his greatness, Moshe was the Anav Ma'od. And each and every one of us should look honestly into themselves and realize if they were given Chachma, if they were given Gvura, if they were given Ashiras, and all that we have, we are to recognize where it comes from, that it comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Ah, then our perspective on life is so different. May we be privileged to learn from Moshe, our teacher. Shabbat Shalom to all. J.M. and the A.M. Friday morning. My thanks to Rabbi Yudin. Erev Shabbos, Parshas Balos, candle lighting at 7.55 on this Erev Shabbos, 7.55. Want to wish a Mazel Tov to the Ditchek and Wiener families. Got an amazing text a day or two ago from our good friend, Dr. Stuart Ditchek. Uh, Ruby and Dr. Stuart Ditchek have announced the engagement of uh, Sammy, Sammy Ditchek and uh, Sarah Wiener. And we take this opportunity to wish uh, both families a very special Mazel Tov. I regret I won't be able to be at the uh, engagement celebration. I'll be down in Florida at the Taurus Chaim event Sunday night. But uh, we wish them the very best and the same Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Also want to wish a happy, healthy birthday to Leah Schiffman Kaufman in Fairlawn, New Jersey. Happy birthday from all of us here at JM in the AM. Also, I better. <laughs> I just came across yesterday. I had missed a couple of listeners' Cena announcements, and if I want to ride on Sunday from the airport, I better announce them right now. So, best wishes for a very happy birthday going out to Shane D. Gifter. A little late, but Shane D. Gifter celebrated a birthday on Staten Island this past Sunday. You're special in every way, say your grandparents, Shane D., and give them tons of nachas as always. Mazlov to Shane D.'s big brother, Avram Tzvi Gifter, learning in Masifta of Boston and celebrating his 16th birthday. As the oldest grandchild, he has a special place in the heart of Grandma and Grandpa. And Mazdav to the parents of Yaakov and Shoshana Gifter, all the siblings, Avram Tzvi and Shane. They have a wonderful birthday and terrific year ahead. And I'm sorry that Nachum Siegel, our good friend, was so late with this announcement. That's from Bubby and Zadie, Florida, who I hope to see uh, this weekend. And I don't even know if we ever got to this. If we didn't, I apologize. But just in case, Mazdav to Yossi and Chaya Shandel Altman and Muncie, who turned nine years old recently... They are twins, and we say mazal tov to them from all of us here at JM in the AM. And now I think I'm able to land down in Florida. Uh, this coming um, June the 2nd, this coming June, this, it was announced earlier um, 
It was announced earlier uh, in the week. We got the information early this morning, and uh, now it is official. On June the 2nd, Sunday night, the Sfardish Ashul in Borough Park, Brooklyn, is presenting the 80th Yard Site Concert for Yassela Rosenblatt. 80th Yard Site. Imagine 80 years later and people are still uh, clamoring to uh, hear the music and hear the selections of the great Yassela. So this is going to be happening on June the 2nd, Sfardish Ashul in Brooklyn, New York. They have put together an amazing lineup. We mentioned it earlier. Uh, they have put together uh, Chazanim like Cantor Benjamin Muller, Cantor Yaakov Motzin, Cantor Yaakov Stark, Cantor Yanki Lemmer, Cantor Yaakov Rosenfeld, uh, Maestro Russell Gare, the Parky Synagogue Choir, Daniel Gildar at the piano, Charlie Bernhout's going to be the MC that night. Eighty years later, an 80th yard site commemoration for the great Yesela Rosenblatt. Listen to the web address, by the way. Listen to the web address that they've put together for this event where you can get your tickets. King of Cantors.org. Does that say it all or what? King of Cantors.org. You could use that web address. You can go to the shul at 4502 14th Avenue. And for uh, information, sponsorship opportunities, etc., you could dial 917-701-6118. 917-701-6118. So it's a week from Sunday night, June 2nd, Svartish Shul, Borough Park. 80th Yardside Concert, the great Yesela Rosenblatt. Speaking of great events that are going on, Jay Booksbaum, who, I'll tell you, at this point, Jay's on so many of our shows, we may as well just name it the Jay Booksbaum Network at this point. I'll tell you. That's the way it seems. Uh, Jay is, <laughs> Jay is going to be a guest of Naomi Nachman's 20 minutes from now on the table for two because it's Memorial Day weekend and uh, Naomi wants to know from Royal Wines, all about um, summer wines and pairings for your barbecues, etc., etc. So Jay's going to do that uh, within the hour here at jmnam.org. But he's also with us right now because he's one of the hosts Sunday night for what always is a great success, the New Jersey Jewish Communities United for Chevron Memorial Day weekend barbecue in tribute to our patriarchs and matriarchs. Jay Booksbaum, welcome back to JM in the AM. Oh, good to hear you. I have to tell you, just uh, as an aside, Rabbi Yudin is amazing. I'm just a wonderful human being and such great messaging. Well, I will tell you, Jay, that now that you have praised him publicly on the air, you have made his day. That I can guarantee you. Um, Jay Booksbaum, why is this event always such an amazing success? You know, people people think about uh, the city of Hebron as maybe something that's over the green line that's political. Forget the politics, really. Just forget that. Throw that out the window. You're talking about Avram Avinu. You're talking about the city of our patriarchs. You're talking about almost, it's not Harabayas, but it's pretty close, you know. Oh, it's up there, Jay. It's up there. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, you know, and you have something like 60-some-odd families. I mean, if if we don't stand strong and support that community and support that physical, beautiful land and, and you know, gather around and, and rally to it, 
then we're missing the point. The uh, tradition was started by David Romanoff of blessed memory, and the tradition continues this coming Sunday night as New Jersey's Jewish communities united for Chevron attracts people from Elizabeth and Hillside and Livingston and Springfield and West Orange. All the rabbis are aboard on the uh, rabbinical committee for this event. Yishai Fleischer, speaking of people on our network, Yishai Fleischer is going to be the guest speaker. He's amazing. He'll be there Sunday night. Uh, there'll be a great raffle, a video presentation from Chevron, Mendy and Tellus, the singing sensation, will do the music and entertainment. And, and this is all happening at the home of Barbara and Michael Rubin on Kipling Road in Elizabeth, New Jersey. And Jay, you are guaranteeing a great upscale wine tasting. Not only that, but being that we're all Jewish, food, 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 food. <laughs> no shortage on the barbecue, huh? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Hamburgers, hot dogs, baked beans, all kinds of rolls, all kinds of salads, all kinds of fruit. I mean, all kinds of cakes. And and beautifully done. Michael has got such a you know beautiful kind of Midas touch when it comes to making it look good. So you got all this, and it's all free. I mean, all you have to do is come and, of course, open your pocketbook, to, you know, if you can and to the extent that you possibly can. But there is no admission charge. Just come. Uh, you know, there's two main things here. One is, of course, to raise money and to, in support of the community, but also to raise awareness. This is very important. So even if you haven't got a dime in your pocket, come. Let's get your awareness raised. Uh, why are you featuring Judean Hills wines, Jay? And would we be familiar with any of the labels that come from the Judean Hills? Yes. The reason we're featuring Judean Hills is because obviously um, Chevron is in the Judean Hills uh, as a an area. So we're going to feature the wines from the area in which Chevron is located. Right. And you have Shiloh, and you have Yatir, and you have Suba, and you have, uh, oh gosh, and you have Castel, and you have Zvam. Wow, there's so many from that area of Israel. Oh yeah, and and there's more. I hope I didn't forget somebody because of course, <laughs> oh, Sagot. Of course, unbelievable. I'll tell you, unbe- you, you could. We got to do a tour with you. We got to go to Israel and do a tour of all these wineries. I'm ready, man. We got to do that. It's un. I cannot believe just in that area of Yehuda, there's so many. Not only that, but you know, everybody talks about the Golan Heights, about how wonderful right. the wines are, and they truly are. Right. But the hottest, newest hottest, greatest wines are now coming from the Judean Hills. How are you with that? Unbelievable. So we're uh, very excited about it. Jay is co-chairing Sunday's event. The next day is Memorial Day, so go, relax, have a nice time, everybody, and support the holy city of Hebron. Hebron Fund information, hebronfund.org. Hebronfund.org or dial 718-677-6886. 718-677-6886. Sunday night it will start at 7.30 at the home of Barbara and Michael Rubin on Kipling Road in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Again, call the Hebron number for information. And send regards to Ishai Fleischer. He is amazing, and uh, many of you have heard him, of course, on this radio program. Oh, speaking of regards, I saw your niece at the uh, Brewery Show on Wednesday, Jay. Which, oh, uh, Allie? Yeah, saw her on Wednesday. She said I should just tell you I saw your favorite niece, so, you know. Yeah, there you go. She is delicious, <laughs> and she's brilliant, and she's such a good, good person inside and out. She says her uncle's outrageous, by the way. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we know he is, don't we? <laughs> what was, what's his name? <laughs> All right, and uh, today with Naomi, uh, just a few minutes from now, you will get into some of those wine pairings for summer, yes, right? I will get into specific wines for for uh, barbecue in general and uh, Memorial Day specifically and also for the summer. Jay, I hope, I hope, for your sake, you included and will include that orange muscat that now is my favorite. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess... 
I guess everyone will have to wait and find out. What's with me and the muscats? Remember years ago I turned well, into the black... It's exciting with you, not so much the muscat, but the fact that you love that Russian River Chardonnay. I know. Completely. I want to announce it clear from coast to coast right here on the radio. Nachum loved the dry wine. I never thought in my life I would go for a dry white wine. I never and, thought. And you loved it, right? It was... There was something about it. There was something about it. Russian River Chardonnay, Herzog Russian River Reserve Chardonnay, wonderful wine. I still would uh, would jump at the case of orange muscat. I can tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So years ago, I turned into this big black muscat fan. Remember that? I turned into right. a big, and yeah. now I'm into the orange muscat. Explain that, Jay. Pretty amazing, huh? Well, you know, <laughs> the orange muscat is, is little is literally one notch or a couple of notches above that, Ooh. and it's, it's really got some acidity to, to it, so it's well balanced. And also, you have to understand, remember what we had it with. Right, that great dessert, right. So, Very you know, sweet. And I've said this, you know, a lot of your listeners have been listening to me say this for years. It's, it's, it enhances the wine so much if it's paired correctly with the right food. What's the best way to prepare for Shabbos, Jay? When the clock turns 10 a.m. Eastern Time, what is the only way to prepare for Shabbos? Uh, I don't know. 10, 10 a.m. until, think hard now. 10 a.m. until candle lighting. You need some audio. Oh, of course. <laughs> you have to listen to the Kedem sponsored Ev uh, Shabbos uh, music mix. Correct. And today, because uh, candle lighting is so late, it's almost 10 hours worth. So, I want amazing. you. I want you blaring it in the background, sir. It's amazing. <laughs> you know what? It, I know people that actually just literally turn on their computers yeah. and have it playing all, sh- all Friday afternoon. That is Shabbos. that is the way. That's our recommendation. All right. Enjoy Sunday night and Yashikach. What you're doing for Chevron? Amen. There he is, Jay Booksbaum. Information called the Chevron Fund for Sunday night's event at the Rubin Home in um, Elizabeth, New Jersey. JM in the AM. Speaking of Chevron, how about a nice selection here at JM in the AM?
J.M. and the A.M. candlelighting at uh, 7.55. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Memorial Day weekend, everybody, believe it or not. It is here. We, uh, I guess, unofficially start summer. Mayor Furtick will be here on Sunday. Don't forget our stream continues with amazing programming all through the weekend, including Matis with J.M. Sunday, this coming Sunday at 7 a.m. Avrami hosts Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night. Uh, table for two, Naomi Nachman speaks with Marvin Rembo of the Westbury, New York, Long Island Barbecue Championship. Uh, that's coming up next on jmnam.org. And, of course, Jay Booksbaum, as we mentioned. Special shout-out to our friends at Gourmet Glot Emporium and Cedarhurst who are tuned in this morning. We say thank you to them. And I hope to see everybody down at the Taurus Chaim Taurus MS Auction in the Taurus MS Ballroom this coming Sunday night down in uh, Miami. I'm looking forward to it. I want to give a special shout-out to our friends at Caring Professionals who are, uh, again, very involved in the event this coming Sunday. And uh, really, a lot of folks in the New York area, because of the uh, connection to the yeshiva down in Florida, have been very, very active to make this um, uh, auction a great success. I look forward to seeing everybody. I am sure it'll be a lot of fun, as it always. It's the ninth auction. I think it's the third time that I am there. Third or fourth already? I think it's the third. And it's always exciting and always fun, that's for sure. Uh, so that's coming up on uh, Sunday, and uh, check, yeah, Sunday of Memorial Day weekend. Tuesday morning, I'll be back right here at JMNA. Make sure to be tuned in all through the weekend at jmnam.org, and pay careful attention to our Facebook update page, Jewish Radio World with Nachum Siegel, our Twitter feeds at Told Jewish Radio and at Nachum Siegel Net. Pay careful attention to all those, and follow us if you haven't done so yet. Time to say good job is with Journeys at JMNA. Yeah. 
Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Want to give a special good morning shout out to listener Joe, who I am told is tuned in this morning to JM. In the AM, my best regards to his entire family. Well, uh, Mayor Fertig will be in Monday. Don't forget to tune in on Memorial Day and enjoy Mayor's presentation of JM in the AM. Uh, coming up next, Naomi Nachman with Table for Two on jmtheam.org. A great music stream for Erev Shabbos all day long until candlelighting time. Make sure you tuned in. I've run me tomorrow night, Matis Sunday morning. I'll see you Tuesday morning after my return from the Taurus MS auction. Have a fabulous Shabbos, great uh, Memorial Day weekend. Until next week, Nachum Sigal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.